The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome one, welcome all. It is the NFC East Mixtape, an incredible production available to you on both the Bleeding Green Nation and Blogging the Boys podcast networks. He is Brandon Lee Gowden of BGN. I am RJ Ochoa of BTB, the greatest crossover that anybody in human history has ever attempted. BLG, a.k.a. Brandon, which I learned on the podcast. You don't exactly like going by. Um, how are you doing on this fine Wednesday morning? We're actually recording on a Wednesday here on the NFC East Mixtape. Well, it's not that I don't like going by my first name. It's just because in this environment, a lot of people just call me by my initials. So when people use the first name, I'm just not used to it. Uh, I don't dislike it, of course. Uh, I'm not about to pull a Jason Garrett here. And be like, you have to call me a certain name, uh, even though, or a certain title, really. I mean, you, you can call me by my first name, unlike apparently uh, you can't do it with Jason Garrett. Uh, I understand wanting to go by initials. It's the way of the future, to be honest. It's it's what I've been doing my whole life. I understand you wanting to kind of jump on that party. Um, do, do your friends from growing up and stuff, do they call you Brandon? Um, it kind that, of varies. On your phone, like just buzzing in. They're like, hey, Brandon. Yeah, yeah someone calling me right now. Um, good job uh, by them. Uh, no, uh, yeah, different different names. Never been like a last name guy. You know, like some people are like like they mm. really just I, that's just never worked for me or happened for me. I've had I've had di- different nicknames over the years, but uh, you know, BLG has been this phase of my life. So uh, it's weird though when people I feel like who haven't been from that phase call me that. It's like this isn't the right thing. But uh, yeah, here we are talking about nicknames. Nice. Uh, well, so we are here on a Wednesday morning. We normally record on Tuesday afternoons, but you actually, BLG, proposed let's wait until Wednesday morning to talk about Hard Knocks, the premiere yeah. episode featuring the Dallas Cowboys aired on Tuesday night. So I bet you are so happy that we decided to do this. Yeah, I'm really happy. Because, uh, <laughs> I was so glad I was able to watch Hard Knocks, except I wasn't, RJ, because first of all, I don't have HBO. So I think it's already kind of not convenient that HBO or Hard Knocks airs on HBO, uh, but I was told, I was informed that you were able to watch it on through NFL Game Pass. So I was like, all right, I'll just watch it through there instead. And sure enough, uh, apparently it's like a week or so or a couple of days after that. The, the Game Pass way, that's, that's how they roll with everything. Great. Really, really convenient. Really, you know, nice to be able to talk about an episode a couple of days after it's out as opposed to the next day. Obviously. We have to talk about Hard Knocks. We're obviously going to get into all of the teams in the NFC East, but um, I understand that you, because you're a, an incredible student, as all your teachers would know young Brandon to be, um, I mean, you you have prepared. You have understood the main talking points. Um, it was, here's a take. It was a, it was a good episode for Mike McCarthy because, because you, you know how Hard Knocks is. There are people... Generally lower down the roster people. I thought this was an interesting episode in that it was mostly superstars on the team. It wasn't any like UDFAs or seventh round picks or anything. Um, But I felt like this painted McCarthy in a very positive light, which not a lot of stuff has done over the last year. And I think he's in sore need of that. Like I could see the average football fan coming away from this season and thinking Mike McCarthy's a swell guy. I mean, are you really falling for his, uh, his whatever, uh, profanity laced uh tirade that he went through about how uh 
It's going to be no more Harry, high school Harry, no more Charlie F around. Uh, <laughs> this is about winning. This is about winning a world championship period. Like this is, this is exactly what I wanted to see from Hard Knocks, uh, which I didn't, wasn't able to see. But this is what I wanted to get away from it. Uh, Mike McCarthy talking a big game, talking tough. I, I, I don't take this seriously at all. I can't believe like this is like convincing for you. I don't, I don't take it seriously. I just think... It, he was a nice character in the show because that's an important lens to look at this through. That's that's how it's a show. You know what I mean? And so I think, you know, sometimes people look bad. For example, uh, near the end of the, the episode, when the Cowboys were playing in the Pro Football Hall of Fame game, you saw Micah Parsons obviously recovered a fumble in the game early on. Um, he got pulled after 11 snaps and they showed him talking to Dan Quinn on the headset on, on the phone, uh, begging for more time. And Dan Quinn said, nope, you're done. It was really cool. And then Mike is on the sidelines and Leighton Vander Esch is sitting there and he's like, oh, man, you just want to make every play, you know, telling him like, you know, you're so stupid, you know, like you're dumb rookie. You know what I mean? Like want, wanting to make every play. And Mike is like, yeah, I'm, I'm young right now. I want to make every play. And we talked about this in our post episode uh, reaction show over at Blog on the Boys. It is possible because we don't have the full context that Leighton Vanderish is saying something like, you got to stay true to the scheme. You know, you can't be just, you can't be like a five-year-old kid playing soccer, like always running to the ball. Um, but it just like, that wasn't a great comment from Leighton Vanderish, you know? Cause the other thing is, uh, as one of our contributors mentioned, Roy White, it's not like the Cowboys scheme is something that should like innately be trusted. You know? So like that, my point is, Leighton Vanderish did not look, he had a small moment in the episode and he did not look great. And I thought Mike McCarthy was a great character. Uh, I, I just like, I'm looking at the replies here of this John Machota tweet of, of that quote that I just referenced about, you know, F last year and everything. Yeah. People rolled in their eyes. A lot of people are like, LOL, LOL, what? Like just a lot of people are not buying it and I, and I'm not buying it. It just, it doesn't feel real. It feels like just like fake tough guy kind of thing. Uh, what does this even mean? Like, uh, Charlie F around. He, he don't, he, they're, they're not here anymore. Like, who are those people? Who are the people who were like the, was that really the problem? The Cowboys yeah. last year, there were like bad people around and now they're not here anymore. Like, I, I don't think so. He did say F last year. Um, uh, so I think his whole point was just like last year sucks. Um, I I'm with you. Like, I don't understand the high school Harry thing. Like what is that? Is that a person? Is that like a, what does that represent? Um, so that, I mean, while that was a bit random, like, again, I, I didn't watch the speech and like get pumped or anything. I just, I thought his, I thought he was likable in other moments, like throughout practice and things like that. Um, an interesting moment, BLG. And I will say you have partly inspired me to, uh, cut down the amount of soda that I drink in my life. So nice. shout out to you. Um, but maybe you need to have a discussion with Jerry Jones. Uh, so Jerry, at one point in the episode, is in his office within the compound in Oxnard, and he's on the phone with Jim Maurer, the Cowboys athletic trainer, getting the rundown on on Dak Prescott's muscle strength. This is like a very serious moment, you know what I mean? And and he's being told how they consulted the Texas Rangers and the New York Yankees, etc. And all the while, he's unwrapping a McGriddle. <laughs> and not only is he unwrapping, like for, first of all, I I talked about this. Like I found that to be kind of rude. You know, like, you ever been on the phone with somebody who's who's eating like that? And you, all you hear is the, like, you know, the, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he's unwrapping it. And then he had a salt shaker on his desk. Mm. But it was, a, like, a really, you know, the, the, the pointed ones? You know, like, the thin. Mm. It was one of those. And he, like, just bathes this thing in salt. Uh, so, I, I mean, I have a lot of questions as far as what happened here. But, you know, maybe you need to consult jerry in terms of a, a, a more appropriate dietary lifestyle i was actually going to bring this topic up which is really funny <laughs> uh i have a i have a confession to make rj i have a big weakness when it comes to salt um i'm probably gonna die no that's too morbid um, way uh, too morbid yeah <laughs> i'm probably going to have issues at some point in my life hopefully not uh you know try to be cognizant of this you know, high blood pressure and everything because I, I just love salt. It's so good. Like, it just makes everything taste better. Now, putting it on a McDonald's breakfast sandwich, which is already presumably like just like filled with sodium, is like, it's such a strong choice. <laughs> it's, it's just it's a very aggressive choice, I should say. Not strong. Not strong as in good. But like, I don't think I'd go that far. But I can't blame him. Sometimes 
never eaten. It needs a little bit more salt. It just does. A lot of oftentimes it does. It needs that extra little kick to it. Um, so that's the one thing I think I might be able to relate with Jerry Jones on. Uh, I feel like the way he did it again, kind of psycho move, doing it on the phone and on camera, nonetheless, and everything. Like I feel like that's more of like a guilty pleasure thing that you don't admit to anyone, like I just did. But uh, wow, really aggressive. Yeah, it was um, it was interesting to say the least. This was very different from previous Hard Knoxes, at least in my mind. Like I said, in that it was all about superstars. The 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 players that they profiled the most were Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott, and Micah Parsons. So you're talking about probably the two most visible players on the team, and then the first-round pick, who is, in in his own right, a very, very visible player. It was the Dak show, though, in every sense, which, again, I feel like we've never really gotten from Hard Knocks. Like, yes, Baker was a a, a theme of the Browns' Hard Knocks, and um, we all saw Jared Goff not know what direction the sun set and whatever, but there there was a lot to condense into one hour because – They obviously started with Dak Prescott's injury last year against the Giants. They also had to cover the muscle strain. Um, Dak uh, is leading. He is the clubhouse leader right now, BLG. Uh, You mentioned profanities for a number of expletives uh, that have been dropped. He was really pissed off that the Cowboys pulled him. And so this is where some Cowboys fans have kind of run with this. And I'm not trying to poo-poo them, but they're like, so at one point, the Cowboys uh, discussed the – I don't know exactly what the metric is, but the the metric that they're using to monitor Dak Prescott. And he had surpassed the threshold that they were comfortable with. And so, you know, Mike McCarthy saying in the, the coaching staff meeting, hey, you know, we got to cut that down tomorrow. So the next day, they limit Dak's reps. You know, the incomparable Garrett Gilbert's in there. And Dak's pissed off. Dak's like, F this, F that. I missed too much a time last year already. I'm getting this F and rep. You know, I'm getting in this B. I mean, like, it's a, you know, he was really upset. So you, as you can presume, BLG, you have all the Cowboys fans that are like, wow, that's my quarterback. He wants, <laughs> he wants to be in there for those reps. Um, that was, the, that was a really hard Noxy moment throughout the episode. This, this straight up Cowboys propaganda here. Um, so that honestly, when I was reading through that about Dak and everything and how they were tracking him through the GPS, it reminded me of another former NFC's quarterback, not in the same way that Dak obviously wants to be back. He's not threatened by anyone behind him by any means, but when Carson Wentz came back early from the ACL injury, yeah, well, like, there was a lot of this, like, I need to be on the field to, like, I think it wasn't just about Foles, but also, like, to prove it, like, because he he didn't want the injury, you know, pro and label, and obviously Dak doesn't have that, but I think there is a real ego factor with these guys that, and just honestly, too, uh, call it lack of maturity or whatever. These are young, they're young athletes who think they're invincible. So, like, they don't want limits on them. And I think that's not like terrible. I think that's fine. But I think there could, there comes a stubbornness with that. That kind of the team does have to hold them back. And I think it's good in the Cowboys' case that they are doing that with Dak. I think I don't know if I mentioned this when we talked about kind of like the concern with his shoulder or whatever. I, I'm not. I don't have any kind of idea that like he's going to miss time early in the season because of it like that's not the concern to me the concern would be like that this is like a long-term issue that they're going to have to monitor like over the course of time and could flare up maybe from time to time and why i think presumably they are making sure that they're being extra cautious with him so that isn't the case right now um something to monitor totally that's fair and it is nice again to see Dak wanting to be there to be upset about missing reps like all that's cool um the last kind of central thing uh for us to touch on here I know you didn't see this did you read about the mojo moment BLG uh I saw this referenced on blogging the boys so um but what was it all about so are you a fan of Austin Powers uh I've seen some of the Austin Powers movies okay so are you aware of the mojo within that universe no it's been too long um so austin powers mojo is um uh, is i guess his his drive um is might, might be the most the pg-13 way to say it uh-huh. um which by the way was something was like a, a phrase that somebody mentioned total sidebar here but john fossil explained literally mm. the yeah. biological procedure of a vasectomy and like to, to his players and was asked about his drive. I did not expect to see that 
within Hard Knocks. But hey, you know, sometimes uh, the show surprises you. But anyway, uh, so that's what Austin Powers' mojo was. And it was like his secret weapon uh, against Dr. Evil and Austin Powers. Anyway, so so Mike McCarthy, this was a little, this was funny. Um, and and we, we had heard about this. This had been a thing that had already been happening at camp, but he has um, established, a, I guess, a practice within training called Mojo Moments, which are all about, you know, intensity and drive and, you know, just overall epicness. These are, these are important moments. These are swing moments in games. So, you know, they'll, they'll have their Mojo Moments, uh, you know, session, and it's like, okay, offense is down by eight. You got a minute and a half. You got to drive 70 yards, whatever. It's a Mojo Moment. Let's go. Let's work through this. So it's like his cute little name for it. Um, but, um, but so he, uh, he was really into this. I mean, he, he played like an Austin Powers clip and everything and, and NFL films dubbed like the, you know, little music behind them. And, um, and so at this point, Dak was already sitting out because of the muscle strain. And this is the one time I thought McCarthy was a little bit awkward. So he, he kind of walks over to Dak. He's like, man, I bet you're missing out on these mojo moments, you know, like trying to make a joke (laughs) and Dak goes. Like, like the joke just washes over him. He's like, "There's nobody who wants to be out here more than I do." And so I'm like, McCarthy. It was this super awkward moment. Um, so yeah, that was the one fumble that I thought anybody had in the overall episode. That is Mike McCarthy to me, right there. <laughs> That's the Mike McCarthy that I know and love and see. And uh, look, I'm an awkward guy, so I can relate. But also, I'm not the head coach of a football team. So, you know, a little bit less higher stakes for me personally. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's exactly what I wanted to see. I don't know if you listen to the oddcast, RJ, because you say you don't listen to it. Or you say you don't think it exists. But it does. It's real. And I'm not sure. Uh, and, uh, you well, you referenced one of the lines from it earlier. So that's fine. Um, but uh, there was a point where I said, like, that's the number one thing I wanted to see. Mike, Mike McCarthy, like, saying something, kind of sticking his foot in his mouth. There's some kind of weird, awkward moment. And it sounds like we got that. So I'm happy. Uh, well, congratulations to you. Overall, everybody's well caught up on the state of the Dallas Cowboys. Their next preseason game is Friday night against the Arizona Cardinals. Their last one mm. um, on the road because, obviously, they're an NFC team like all the NFC's teams. They have an extra preseason game at home because they have an extra regular season game on the road uh, per the new 17th game rule. So uh, after that, for anybody that cares, the Cowboys will return to the DFW area to presume training camp um, after the Cardinals preseason game. But uh, let's go to the Eagles, BLG, because that's what makes Mm -hmm. sense. Uh, My sort of uh, plan coming into this episode is I have one question about every team. Do you want – that's actually the floor is yours when it comes to uh, the E-A-G-L-E-S? Yeah, E-A-G-L-E-S. Yeah, you know the chant because you do it secretly. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, so when it comes to the Eagles, RJ, first preseason game on Thursday night, August 12th, and uh, my the big thing on my mind is like who do we want to see? Like who are you like really jonesing to see the most? Not Jerry jonesing, of course, uh, when it comes to the Eagles. But who are you really jonesing to see? And to me, I mean, it's obvious it's a chalk pick, but it's Jalen Hurts because I don't know if you saw this tweet, RJ, last week or over the weekend, I believe. I had a tweet that kind of set the world on fire a little bit. Now that's that's giving myself too much credit, but a tweet that maybe riled some people up, not Tom riled, um, where people were like, "Well, it's only training camp." It doesn't matter that Jalen Hurts isn't looking great right now. He's a gamer. And I mm, think there the is... Some, gamer label. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> I think there is more than 0% truth to that, but I don't think it is the entire correct take. And uh, what I, the way I phrased it, basically, what I said, if, if for anyone who didn't see, is that like I don't think Jalen Hurts has done anything in camp to like dissuade the Eagles from looking for that next quarterback. That doesn't mean... He can he can't change their minds in the regular season and the preseason in weeks to come. But I'm saying to this point, he's not shown anything. And now look, I don't know how much he's going to play. Nick Sirianni did say the starters were going to pretty much play almost everyone for some amount of time. So we'll see. But you know, for a guy who's kind of looked uneven in the games, I want to see if things can look a little bit more crisp in or in the practices, I should say, look more crisp in the games and. That's what I'm going to be looking for, especially when it comes to everyone talks about what Jalen Hurts is like, well, you know, you're not going to see the full package of him in practices. because He's not really going to be able to run like he can in a game. So I guess we're going to see some of that, too. Uh, for what it's worth, the gamer label or the, um, the isn't a great practice or label was 
one of the earlier things to hit Dak Prescott. Not a great oh. practice player, uh, but a great gamer. Uh, so I find this interesting because we're in a little bit of uncharted territory just with the NFL as a whole, uh, with there now only being three preseason games and then the bye. So I am fascinated to see how most coaches play it. And so is this are they treating this like what we used to know as week two of the preseason, et cetera? So when I saw that Jalen Hurts was going to play, and I don't know, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how much it's going to be. Is it going to I don't I don't get the vibe. It's going to be like a series that like it's maybe a couple series. Um, and so I, I agree, like it is chalk, but that's like any anybody. And there are Eagles fans who aren't as, uh, you know, kind of Eeyore about this season who believe there is still some hope. Uh, you know, the, the entire idea of that depends on Jalen playing well. And so we're obviously going to get an understanding of uh, how, how possible that is. By the way, uh, fumble by me. I did not know that this game was called the Keystone Bowl. You had to remind mm. me of that. Uh, on Monday, yeah, I, I I knew that like somewhere deep in the annals of my mind, um, but I, I just forgot at the moment. Um, I have a question, all right, and I, I'm not trying to induce panic. I'm not trying to just come in and ruin everything because you actually painted a pretty sunshiny picture, and I think gave, gave everyone a reason mm. to really enjoy uh, Thursday night, right? The Eagles play. Uh, so, by the way, uh, quick question on this: Do you think this game has better ratings than the MLB's Field of Dreams game? That's on the same night? Yeah, it's on Thursday. Hmm. I don't know anything about that game, so yes. it's. Uh, I, I've, I think this is a really great question. I've been asking a lot of people, and everybody answers that way. I, I don't understand why, but uh, Major League Baseball built the Field of Dreams field from the movie, and they're playing a game there in Iowa between the White Sox and the Yankees. And so it's like... It's a whole like field of dreams thing. So I don't understand exactly the genesis of that, but either way. Uh, so my question, BLG, Andre Dillard. Last week we talked about Devontae Smith, his injury status. Is there a reason to panic? What's the what's the what's the panic level when it comes to Andre Dillard? Well, I mean, I don't think there's reason to panic in that like he was already losing the left tackle. Like the the fact that people were still calling this, or some are still calling this, like a left tackle battle is like it's just not even true. Like this was decided. A, a couple days into training camp where Jordan Mailata is looking really good. And he's not like, he's not just winning by default. Like Jordan Mailata looks good, but also Andre Dillard looks like terrible. Like honestly, <laughs> RJ, I, I can't tell you he's one of the best 53 players on the roster. Like if we're just going off of merit, I don't think he deserves to make the team. I mean, he will make the team because he was a first round pick a couple years ago. One the Eagles traded up for, mind you. Well, uh, and, then, and, and then every Eagles fan danced on Bill O'Brien's grave because of, you know, yeah. so and didn't age well um Andre Dillard too like not only is it's such a just frustrating pick RJ because like he fell for a reason the Eagles didn't do their homework on him clearly or enough homework they were kind of scrambling to do it last minute they outsmarted themselves they took a player who was falling and everyone thought would go higher but you know they didn't really look apparently hard enough into why he fell and then the other thing that bothers me about Andre Dillard is he's like old for a prospect he turns like 26 or he's 25 right now and he turns 26 this season like he probably already is what he is like he's not like how much better is he really going to get and he's really struggled in camp and he's also dealt with injuries now like last year obviously he missed the entire season due to injury getting hurt in training camp and i remember watching that play it was like a one-on-one uh rep in practice and yesterday on tuesday he got hurt like i don't even know how a lot of people did. i don't think anyone actually even saw it because it was like during uh offensive line drills like before they even started doing team drills like so like he's getting hurt in ways that aren't even like you know in game action and I, yeah so it's not a concern to me at all just from the the standpoint of like i don't think he's any good and shouldn't be on the team it's a concern to me that they can't probably trade him now because i thought that was going to be the ideal option to do with him but i don't know who's going to trade for an injured tackle and it's also a concern from that so the eagles have jordan Mailata starting at left tackle right now the backup behind him is, I don't know. <laughs> like, Andre Dillard, it's not him if he's hurt. And then they have this guy named Brett Toth, who uh former Toth? rookie for Yeah, Brett Toth, um, who played at Army and, like, only had, like, very limited pass blocking experience because Army just runs the football all right. the time. Right. So, like, that's your backup left tackle right now. And honestly, I don't think he's looked good in camp, and I don't know if he'll even make the team. So, like, the the, the depth at left tackle, that is what I'm concerned about. Yeah, so I, I kind of asked this question, like, what's the panic level? Like, I know I didn't literally say those words, but it sounds a lot like there's a lot of panic around the situation, not necessarily specifically associated with Andre Dillard. Uh, but that is, you know, that is why 
you know, SB Nation's awesome because I think the casual NFL fan like, thinks of Andre Dillard as somebody who's a big part of the Eagles' plans, but uh, to your point, not necessarily uh, the case. Well, um, sounds like Jalen Hurts could be in for an interesting night on Thursday night against Pittsburgh. Um, any final Jalen Hurts things? And it, it, what, like, what else is sticking out? You you do such a great job letting everybody know what's happening at camp. Who who else has you feeling great? I know right now you're not going to see all the Devontae Smith highlights that you thought were going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, has anybody supplemented your need for Devontae Smith content? On Devontae, real quick, he was doing some light jogging at practice, and I think based on the original timeline, he should be only like a week or two away. So I think he's on track. You know, he's not just still sitting out there. Uh, in terms of if you know you're a Cowboys fan or somehow you're a Giants fan or Washington fan, I wonder if we have Giants fans or Washington fans who listen to this, even though it's not on their feed. If you are, uh, tweet at us. Let us know. That'd be really cool. At Brandon Gowton, RJ Ochoa. Um, the one kind of like under the radar name to watch, like a guy who might actually play, you know, beyond the starters and meaningful time is Quez Watkins. He was a sixth round pick in the 2020 NFL draft. He was the third receiver taken, RJ, out of behind Jalen Rager and behind John Hightower. And honestly, I think Quez Watkins has looked like the best Eagles wide receiver in training camp. Like I am much more encouraged about his outlook just based on what I've seen in this camp than I am about Jalen Rager if I'm going off of what I've seen from him, which isn't a whole lot. So Quez Watkins, number 16 uh, in Eagles Midnight Green. I guess they'll be wearing their all-whites, though. Um, So keep an eye out for him. He's made some highlight catches in training camp, and he actually won one, quote-unquote one. He was at the top of a poll that our good friend Jimmy Kemsky did, RJ. uh, Like He asked, he polled like 25 media members or so, and he did like, hey, give me a stock up, stock down. He does this each year. And Quez Watkins actually won stock up from that category, so I'd keep an eye on him. And then if Josh Sweat plays on defense 94, he could also have a big game, although I don't think he's going to play a ton. So uh, those are the the numbers to watch. Look at that. You're always, always good with this. Um, Last thing here. Um, what would be a really encouraging thing to see on Thursday night? And what would be a really discouraging thing to see? This can be anything you want. So it could be Jalen related. It can be Nick Sirianni related, but something both directions that leaves you going, holy crap, Super Bowl or like, yeah, this team is, you know, let's, let's hope that somehow Carson comes back and we get the third, the third first round pick. I don't think anyone's wishing for Carson, <laughs> but uh, uh, encouraging thing to me would be seeing Jalen Hurts. So we, he was asked, like, what's your goal for Thursday night? And he said, be efficient. And that is a very efficient answer, <sighs> a succinct answer. But it's true. He hasn't been efficient in training camp. I'd like to see the completion percentage high. I don't need him you know, to light the world on fire, but like, give me repetitive accuracy. Like, Give me like several completions in a row. Like, it doesn't even have to look like Patrick Mahomes out there. I'm just saying like, look like a normal just like quarterback from the pocket. I'd like to see that. That'd be really encouraging. I think what would be really discouraging is if we don't see that on the flip side and that the offense as a whole, RJ, because a lot of people coming off of, I think it was Saturday's practice, thought like that was like, again, going back to Jimmy Kemsky, he said it was like the worst offensive practice he's ever seen since covering the team. So uh, if the offense is all out of sorts still, that would be pretty concerning. Um, right now I've got my multi view on my television behind you. And so, um, on ESPN, the headline at this exact moment that we're recording, does Jalen Hurts have the attributes to be the Eagles franchise quarterback? Um, so maybe we, we start discovering that this is the first bit of action. I think that this is underrated first bit of action where he is unquestionably the Eagles starter. Like I know he played and he started last year, but there was still like an awkwardness and you know an unknown like what what 2021 was going to have in store this is the first time that he walks into a stadium and he knows like this is his show and it goes how he goes so i think that's interesting i i am genuinely interested to see him play um is there a keystone bowl prize is there like a big like a big can or something uh i think it really is just about establishing which convenience store in uh pennsylvania is better and I have there's another one that. besides Wawa. There's like there's I know Wawa that's... and there's Sheets. Sheets is more like yeah, more of like a Pittsburgh thing. It does creep out a little bit, like middle PA even. I've been to a Sheets before. Uh it's not as good as Wawa. It has some nice things going for it, but I mean Wawa is the best. So it's really about establishing the superior superiority there. Mm, interesting. Um I've never been to Philadelphia specifically, but I had a great time in Pittsburgh. Had a great is it Permanis? Permanis? Manny's. I didn't like yeah. it when I had it. I think it's it was pretty disappointing to me. I, I love I like so. I like putting French fries on your sandwich, whatever that is. You know what I mean? The so fries I, were I, good. 
I, I, I like it. Good? Yeah. I mean, and um, mm. it was a really cold day. And so uh, my dad, I was with my dad. He got a bowl of chili and he let me try it. And that was really good. So, I mean, you know, it was, it was a nice, nice neck of the woods. All I'm saying and ev- everything I've ever heard out of Philadelphia is the opposite of that. So, um, okay. Let's hope for efficiency. If you're an Eagles fan on Thursday night, we are very efficient, which means we are doing things the right way, which means we'll be right back after we take a very quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back. Brandon Gotten here with our Joe Cho. Uh, obviously, uh, there are two teams left to get to, BLG on the NFC's mixtape. Would you like to go to our nation's capital or to the city so nice they named it twice that the Giants do not actually play in uh, first? Well, I mean, the Eagles are the only team in the NFC's that actually plays in the city that has their team name in it. So, mm. Yeah, but the joke was about the Giants. You could have just let that go. So, Yeah. Um, but I mean, the Giants one is especially egregious. We can all agree because it's just, right. it's literally a different. It's not even state. yeah, not even the same state. Yeah, totally well, agree. So is Washington, but uh, but That's you know, true. it's a little whatever. That's uh, a little yeah, bit more like, like yeah, I'm willing to to give them some more ambiguity there. It's a little unique. Well, the Giants one is like the super like clout chasing, clout stealing. Like oh, we're New York. So, no, you're not. You're North Jersey. Come on. Like you know, I don't think like there's a ton of clout stolen from like Landover to Washington D.C. I don't think like that's that's the same magnitude. I like Washington D.C. This like the city itself. No offense, or the, or the, the I like the District of the Columbia. I like the territory uh, itself, not the uh, the football team. Obviously, yeah. thank um, you for the geography lesson. Yeah, you know, I like I'm a big fan of geography. There's actually a good subreddit. Shout out to r slash border porn that has like all these like different borders. I really like it. It's great. Um, anything, like this is a little misleading, but anything that has porn in it is generally a good yeah. subreddit. Um, like there's a great one uh, called room porn. <laughs> and it's it's like photos of incredible rooms, like, you know, like yeah. in castles or cabins and stuff. So that's a really great one. Um, OK, but still Giants or Washington first. I want to go with the Washington football team, WFT, as Pete Sweeney likes to say. And uh, the big highlight uh, I saw out of here, a Washington football team talk. Again, it's a very quiet camp for them, RJ. It's like there's not a whole lot of like big storylines, drama going on, which, again, is probably a good thing for them. Uh, but one thing I did see that came out is Montez Sweat said he and Chase Young want to break the sack record for pass rush tandem, which is currently set by... Uh, Chris Dolman and Keith Millard from the Vikings, 39 sacks in 18, or sorry, 18, yeah, in <laughs> 1989. Uh, do you think they can break that? No. I mean, no. no I don't think so. So it, say, say it again, the, the number? It is 39 sacks. And mind you, there's a 17th game. Um, so 39 sacks between the two of them. Um, and it was the 1989 Vikings. Mm. In 1989, Chris Dolman himself had 21. Yeah. Um, so you have to have somebody conceivably break 20. Right. I, I think that Chase Young can totally do this. Like, I don't think either of us doubts this. I'm not saying Montez Sweat is not a talented player. I just don't think that it's it's so it's so rare that you see one player challenge the sack record let alone two let alone two on the, like we ju- we never even see two on, on different teams in a you know that's never a record that we're we're seeing like threatened annually uh like like other records but i mean 
I don't. I, I just, I don't think that, and like, that's one of those things too, where like people talk about, you know, the Cowboys wide receivers each having a thousand receiving yards, but, but what people don't realize about that is like certain things have to happen for those records to come into play. Like, like the games have to continually lend themselves to, in that case, needing to pass, needing to pass. And so in this case, needing to continue to be rushing. Like, it's not just this thing that is is always going to lend itself to, to to be likely. So, no, I don't think so. But I, I certainly still think that they're among the better, you know, duos in the NFL. I'm not trying to poo-poo them by any means. I, I don't know that they're going to break it. I think they can get reasonably close, again, especially with the extra game being a factor. But I think one thing that could deter them is actually something that's good for the team, but not good for them as a duo is that there's other good defensive linemen on that line who are going to be stealing sacks. Like Matt Ioannidis coming back, he could get some. Um, Jonathan Allen is going to be getting some of his own. So like you have other players here who are going to be getting into that mix and kind of and taking the sacks away from them. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, Montez Sweat is coming off a season where he increased from seven as a rookie to nine in his sophomore season. Chase Young had seven and a half as a rookie. I mean, I think it's like pretty fair to say they're both getting at least double digits, though, this year. Yeah, but but see, like that is super easy. Like you know what I'm saying. Like I don't know what the record is for most players on a team with double digit sacks, but I think that record's more likely to fall than this one because you're gonna have more opportunities with another game, um, et cetera. I can't wait for like ten years from now when anybody references any record, they're like, yeah, but he said it when there were 17 games. You know what I mean? Like blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. Like and then then somebody's gonna bring up Jerry Rice did it in 14 regular season games. That somebody will be stats, obviously, but uh, still, like yeah. you know, I, I am excited for that. Um, I just I, I I think I made a good case. I don't think it's really possible that this can happen. So you agree with me? Good job, BLG. What's your big Washington football question or takeaway? So I think that this player, and I want you to guess is emblematic of the Washington football team hype as a whole this offseason. Who is that? Mm, one player. It's not your favorite player, Ryan Fitzpatrick? It's not. Is it a defensive player? This isn't... Uh, the only clue you get is it's not Ryan Fitzpatrick. You got to guess you a player. You always give these, like, these clues <laughs> that are like, very vague. It's like, how am I supposed to guess this? Um, is it Curtis Samuel? It is Curtis Samuel. Look Aha, at that. I this, knew it. This big name. It comes from a big school. A lot of people know. Certainly. I, I still feel like we've, and I know you agreed with this to a degree, like we haven't really seen Curtis Samuel be the Ohio State version of himself in the NFL. Like he's been nice. I'm not trying to act like that's not the case, but um, mm-hmm. he hasn't been like he gets regarded as this like, whoa, he's super fast and shifty and blah. And like, yeah, that's true. But when has that really worked out for him um, or really worked out for his team, I should say. And so this week, uh, Curtis Samuel was taken off the COVID list uh, and was placed on the pup list. Mm. That is concerning to me. I mean, and, you know, look, I'm a Cowboys fan. So obviously, you know, whatever happens to them, I'm, I'm not rooting for Washington to win. But. That would be concerning to me if I was a Washington fan. He hasn't practiced yet, like ever. I mean, he's got this groin issue that flared up, which is why he's back. Or he's now on the pup list after being on the COVID list. Like this, this has the smell to me like somebody who's just constantly dealing with something throughout and never gets to realize all the hype. Because, and you know it, the moment they signed, it was like, oh my gosh, they're pairing Terry McLaurin with Curtis Samuel. And it just, it feels like it's getting off on the left foot. Terry McLaurin uh, pairing with Curtis Samuel, so dangerous when Curtis Samuel has never been at his best with Ron Rivera. <laughs> um, I think Curtis Samuel is a nice complimentary player, but I think, again, for what they signed him for, I just think it's kind of too much. And, uh, yeah, not a great sign. The way i kind of been putting this with Jalen Rager, to take it back to the Eagles for a second, RJ, is like, how do you envision this being like his breakout year? When he comes into ch- to camp and he fails a physical – now, obviously, he there were some factors there going on where he had lost a friend, so he wasn't, you know, 100% maybe right in the state of mind. But even with that going Talking on... Talking about Jalen, right? Not Curtis, yeah, just to be clear. Yeah, yeah, Rager. And then, like, he comes into camp. He's pretty invisible. He had a nice highlight catch, one-handed catch. It was a play at camp, honestly, last Friday. But, like, outside of that, like, he's been relatively invisible. And I'm just like, how is all of this, like the start of what his is his breakout season. Maybe it is. Maybe he'll put it all behind him and it'll be kind of funny in hindsight that he got off to the slow start. But kind of taking that to Curtis Samuel, how is it like Curtis Samuel going to have this huge season coming off? You know, he starts out on the COVID list and then he's on, he's on the pup list and then who even knows what he's going to go on. And then again, just going back to what I just said, he's never had his best numbers under Ron Rivera. 
Now, you know, Ron Rivera isn't like the offensive coordinator here, but like still, uh, it's just kind of a weird situation. And also, I think, you know, his numbers went up just from a volume perspective because Christian McCaffrey got hurt last year. And, you know, I don't think he's going to be in that volume kind of role here because you still have Antonio Gibson, I believe, leading the way. So it'll be interesting to see how they use him when he gets on the field. But, yeah, like when I look at the Washington football team, like I'm not like terrified that they have Curtis Samuel now. I think it's a nice piece for them. I think it's a nice ad. But like I'm not like, oh, no, like Curtis Samuel. We have to we have to like change our entire game plan to work around him. Yeah, I mean, and that's such a great point about the volume being there because of Christian McCaffrey. And, and so last year, um, down in terms of just overall targets from 105 to 97, not the hugest deal, but where he saw the largest uptick is he had 200, uh, not two, oh yeah, 200 Russian guards off of, uh, I lost my place here, goodness gracious, to, uh, off of 41 attempts. I mean, that is, it was double his career high at that point in time with Carolina. And so this just has like, it has all the pieces to be like the cliche thing that that gets the hype that it has gotten in that he went to a big school. He is coming off of a career year. He played for the coach before. And so everybody's like, oh, all the pieces are here. And so, but th- like that was regarded and I'm not trying to make a big deal of it, but and I agree with you. Like I'm in no way threatened, but it was regarded as a move to be like, watch out. Now, now they're set. Now that offense is ready to go because they have Curtis Samuel. And even if you believed that, which neither one of us seemingly does, um, it, the fact that it's it's off to this bumpy start is a really, really concerning thing, I think, for their offense. Is it a reason to panic? No. But, I mean, without him, you know, you don't even have that complimentary piece. So without him, it's just the Terry McLaurin show, which is an incredible show. But, I mean, you're not going to get the idea that you kind of envision when you allowed yourself to be lulled into believing that Curtis Samuel was going to be awesome in 2021. Now, one thing Washington does have working in their favor is they have a head coach who can crack a good joke. And I know you love this from your favorite NFC head. How do you feel about this? You must feel so conflicted to see Ron Rivera taking a shot at Jason Garrett. Like how how does that make you feel? I'm I'm so curious. So, can you explain this for everybody? This is this is a, a, a nice segue to the Giants, but go ahead. Yeah, that's why I did it in part. Uh, look at me. But um, so, you know, all we all saw it last week, basically, where at a press conference in North Jersey, not New York, mind you, that uh, Jason Garrett uh, came up to the podium or whatever, and people were saying, like, how are you doing, Jason, or whatever. Nice to see you, Jason. And it was when he was that, leaving that, that, that this okay. exchange happened. Yeah. Gotcha. And he was like, well, where I'm from or whatever, or, or how we do it around here is like, it's nice to see you coach. Now, we did have uh, Zach Rosenblatt, who covers the New York Giants for uh, NJ.com on BGN Radio recently to kind of like, because uh, he was at the press conference. So we had him kind of like, we, we dug into this a little bit, kind of asked him like, what was the context here uh, and everything? And he kind of downplayed it a little bit, um, but he did say it was kind of weird. So uh, I'm going to just choose to ride with it. That's weird. It's also weird to me, RJ. I've pointed this out on Twitter and and podcasts before, but like he's not even a coach. Like he's a coordinator. Like like his his, his literal job title does not have coach in it. I know like he's part of the coaching staff. So I know he's like a coach technically, but by just his job description alone, that's not even his title. Like if if someone's referring or insisting that you refer to them by something that isn't even in their title, I think that's funny to me. Uh, But then after all that, uh, recently, Ron Rivera, at after a Washington football team press conference, uh, you know, was thanked by the media, like, oh, thanks, Ron, for whatever, for taking the time. And he was actually like, it's thanks, coach. Then he winked. So I love it. So I did not anticipate coming here to defend Jason Garrett. And I don't even know that I wow. like, tru- I, I don't even know that I truly am tr- in defending him. But I do think this is this is necessary context just so everyone can draw an opinion. Um, it is very possible that this was like an ego thing. It's definitely in play. Uh, however, um, Garrett, throughout his tenure as the Cowboys head coach, was extremely regimented, wore the same clothes, like did the same thing, and you know lost the same way. I know, like all the jokes, whatever. Um, but so he would walk into every press conference, every single one. How we doing, guys? That was that was like his thing, you know. And and every time it was. You know, we're doing good, coach, doing good, coach. And so, like, looking – I thought Todd Archer from ESPN, who is one of the best people on the Cowboys beat, put it well. I think it's possible that this was Jason Garrett just saying, like, you know, 
we we say goodbye to one another. You know what I mean? Like, mm, and, and the way right. he the way he described it was saying, you know, coach. I, like, so I think it was an unfortunate, you know, coincidence that these dots were able to be connected to. But I think it's definitely very possible that he was just outlining the 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 goodbye procedure. I don't think he cares, honestly. Uh, if he does, I would I would truly be shocked. He was not that egotistical uh, until the last season in Dallas. Uh, but uh, again, I called this out last week. Dude, get your get some new sayings like this fight crap. You know what I mean? Like, and that dude, this this was a great joke because he's handwriting this in sharpies on his shirt now. It just says fight. The Cowboys yeah. had the budget to make the shirts for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like this this is a, an embarrassing look to be handwriting it um, on your shirt. But um, so uh, this is a good way to to again talk about the Giants. I don't know what one thing to talk about because. They are a disaster to me. Like, I I don't think that the – like the Jason Garrett thing can be somewhat explained, right? Um, and, and, get, and there could be some context where you – I think even you can say like, oh, you know, I can see that. That's, you know, it's uh, like I can understand you, BLG, being like, I choose to believe the funnier thing. But I, yeah, can under- I can, but I can understand that there is a possibility that what you're saying is true, RJ. So that methodology to me does not apply to all of the retirements happening. I, I cannot buy into like, this is just a coincidence. This is just all these players happen to want to be retiring at the same time. This is this is truly, to me, a where there's smoke, there's fire t- situation. It's just like, everything I'm hearing out of Giants camp, and I'm following along, you know, with uh, Ed Valentine at BigBlueView.com, as we do. And I'm just seeing a lot of not great stuff about Daniel Jones, really. Not that like he's been totally terrible in training camp, but he hasn't been good. It's almost like kind of maybe in a similar boat to Jalen Hurts, where it's just like it's not like they're having this disaster training camp that like maybe Zach Wilson or someone seems to be having, but uh, they're not having a very good one. And I think that matters. I think I, I think one, it's it matters, and two, it's hard to know always exactly how much it matters because I think there are cert- there are certain situations and circumstances where players can have a bad training camp and then they put it behind them and they look good in the regular season. But I think there are plenty of instances as well. And I point back to Carson Wentz last year where a player does not have a good training camp and all of a sudden they look really bad in the regular season. And it's like, oh, well, this was easy to see coming, especially when you go back to training camp. So I just don't think we're seeing any kind of massive leap from uh, Daniel Jones. Like I feel like so some of the stuff I've seen from Big Blue View is they feel like Daniel Jones can potentially be like Josh Allen. Like he can make that kind of oh. big leap, which I don't agree with, obviously. But I think like that's like the template or the goal. And I don't think, to be clear, I don't want to like misrepresent what Giants fans are saying. I don't think they think that's likely to happen. I think that's like the hope of what will happen. I think if I had to guess, I don't think most Giants fans feel like super optimistic about Daniel Jones. So that's kind of the hope. But I feel like didn't we see hype? about Josh Allen last year like oh wow the bills are they're kind of coming together like there's some promising signs here in training camp and i'm just what are the positive vibes that's my question what are the positive vibes coming out of giants training camp like what are you feeling really good about i was going through winners and losers on that ed wrote up for big blue root recently and like some of the winners he had in there were like very low bars it was like <laughs> darius tony is a winner because he's finally practicing like okay like that's not great like that this is like the bar for success here um so first of all on the josh allen front i feel like what unlocked him and and i feel like this is like when you bring this up people are like well then why pay the quarterback but was trading for stefan Dix? like that that unlocked josh allen's skill set I mean, he's yeah. he specifically needed a receiver that was able to run routes and get open and separate like Stefan Diggs, which is why, you know, the coincidence happened. Um, it's a b- big shock when you surround good players with good players, you know, good results follow. Uh, but so I don't I don't think that Kenny Galladay has that kind of effect here or Kadarius Tony, even if he is winning by practicing. Um, and so I, I like this whole situation. It, it stinks like this whole thing stinks to me because. And again, like, I, look, you know, Big Blue View is great, but, you know, if if the winning is like, well, he's practicing or the winning is like nobody fought, you know, like, or the winning is nobody retired, you know, like, I just feel like this is, uh, I read Big Blue View right before we started recording and uh, in Ed's links post on Wednesday, the first one just is what really, th- there are symptoms to when you can see a team starting to unravel. And uh, one symptom is when the former great, chirps up and offers his opinion about the controversy that is surrounding the squad. Um, so Phil Sims, uh, who lost his job to a cowboy in Tony Romo, by the way, um, 
Phil Simms was asked about Joe Judge's critics and the people criticizing him and said, shut up, they're wrong. It's team building. It really does bring chemistry to the team. When guys have to run, yeah, it's punishment, but it's kind of funny, and it brings everybody together, just like the fight did with the Giants. I didn't look at it as a detriment. And so, I like, to me, this is... This is kind of fanboying what Phil Simms is doing. And like when you're having to re- when you're having to tell anyone to shut up, you've already lost the argument. You know what I'm saying? And like th- that's <laughs> I feel like the giant th- I'm I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here, but like I saw this coming a mile away. This team was going to be a disaster. And I know Saquon's on his way back, but also at the beginning of this week, over the week, over this past weekend, there was a sneaky report that the Giants may not see Saquon until weeks one between weeks one and three. Why are we saying that? Like, why are we throwing that out now? Everything's totally fine. Why is week three as a debut even in the conversation? Yeah, you return to practice, but I mean, he's not like full go yet. And it sounds like that was another thing in the winner and losers thing. Like, they're like, well, it's good to see him back on the field. Sure. But also, like, it still seems like he's going to miss some kind of time or maybe even if he's ready week one, best case scenario. Like, is he on a pitch count? It's not like he's been practicing all summer, like, the, you know, the conditioning and everything. And then just the actual live game action kind of conditioning that you can only get by playing like that might have to be managed. Um, and I think it's a big deal, again, as we talked about, because for the Giants to be successful, they need Saquon to like be Ezekiel Elliott of 2016 and everything and like really carry the load or DeMarco Murray or even before that. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a concern. I, I will push back a little on. I do think Kenny Galladay will mesh in a big way, not to the late level that. Stephon Diggs helps out Josh Allen, but I do think Josh or Daniel Jones will be better than he was last year, which is a low bar to clear, to be clear. But uh, I do think it will help because sure, I think one of Daniel Jones' best qualities is being able to sling it, throw it deep. And I think Galladay has proven he can do that. He can make deep catches. Now, of course, Kenny Galladay not practicing because he's dealing with an injury issue of his own, and that kind of disrupts the chemistry that potentially that Josh Allen or Josh Allen, Daniel Jones and uh, Kenny Allen, they have here. So, you know, I don't think it's like one of the league's most lethal connections, but I do think it'll help at least a little bit for him. See, I just, and and now we're getting away from like any kind of analysis, but like Daniel Jones is just so uninspiring to me. Um, You know, like, I don't know of any way to put it. Um, You know, uh, Dave Damashek, I used to love the Dave Damashek football program uh, under NFL Media's podcast umbrella. And he used to talk about guys that just look like quarterbacks and how you could kind of, you know, in a funny way, like grade players that way. And I I remember when Mike Glennon signed with the Bears, he was like, that dude will never make it. He was like, he just does. He does not look like a quarterback. But Dak Prescott looks like a quarterback, walks and talks like a leader. That was really evident on Hard Knocks, as you mentioned. I think Jalen Hurts looks like a quarterback, walks and talks like a leader. Like, there's a clear energy and a vibe about him. Even Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I'm not that fond of as a player, does have, like, an air of leadership, an air of veteranness at the quarterback position around him. I don't get that from Daniel Jones. Like, Daniel Jones is just, like, you know, he's just on on along for the ride. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, it's, it's uninspiring. I think the possibility exists for Daniel Jones to have one of these like one year wonder seasons. I think he can really have like a, like a really big. So I could think I, I could see him having like 2013 Nick Foles like that. Um, who else are we thinking about here? Even like if Josh McCown Carson with Wentz. the Bears. Oh, yeah, Carson yeah, Wentz. I think he can. I think he has enough talent. Because like I said, I've said this before many times. But like with Dwayne Haskins, I never just saw it. With Daniel Jones, I can see something there. So I think there is a situation. I don't know if it's this year, but I think there could be a situation where everything clicks for one year and he gets really hot. But then it, he just never really replicates it again. Um, and there's just more inconsistencies. I can envision that. Yeah. Or did you mention Derek Carr in there? Because didn't Derek Carr have like a really big year a couple he years had, ago? He, he had that 2016 year where he was yeah. kind of in the MVP conversation and he broke mm-hmm. his leg. So I can see that. I can see that happening with him. Um, I don't know. This is the year. And if it is, like, it's almost dangerous because I feel like there could be a big false positive here with Daniel Jones. They're like, all right, this is who he is. And all of a sudden they rush to sign him to that extension. And then like, Oh, actually he's not this guy. So yeah, I think there's, there's this upward uh, mobility uh, up for his projection, but all around, I'm going to stick to what I said earlier, like with the giants, I'm just not seeing the positive vibes coming out about them. And now admittedly we are biased because we should right. not like the giants, but like, but honestly, I'm not seeing it. Like what, what can I point to? 
about the New York Giants right now that I feel super great about. Like, oh, this is this is a good thing they have going for them. Like, if, if Saquon was healthy, if Saquon is healthy, I would say that. You know, I'd be like, okay, they, at least they have Saquon Barkley going for them. I think that only matters so much, but still, I could point to that, and I I can't point to anything. You shook your head, but nobody heard that. Um, what was your thought, or what is your thought on the retirements? We're up to four now. Um, I mean, this. do you buy, or what percent of you buys that it is coincidental, that it's just these four players happen to be ready to quit the game of football? I mean, it's unusual. Where else are you really seeing this around the league? There's someone off. Your, like your, boy, your boy P-Rob, yeah, in New yeah, Orleans. Uh, Eagles legend uh, just did. But, you know, he had been going through some injury issues, too. Like, he had a lot of, like, different, and throughout his career, not just, like, recently, too. So, like, I get it. You know, like, it was just his body basically just giving up on him and he had to do it at this point and uh who wants to play for james winston or Taysom hill anyway right like you're really sacrificing your body for that uh yeah so you know you see these one-offs but like are we really seeing multiple from other teams not that i'm aware of i mean and, and that's like i i don't see a lot of people because it happened last week after the fight uh, like Joe Looney was one of them who uh, a lot of Cowboys fans know, obviously. And so like a lot of people were like, oh, the fight is what scared everyone away. I don't buy that like that. I, I don't I don't buy that no. at all. But I do buy that the culture of it all is something that they're just like, this is dumb. You know, like I'm, I'm not going to go through all this for this. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. This culture sort of feels and, and maybe that's how every Giants fan is kind of like talk themselves into it. But like what the perception was of the Tom Coughlin culture, like, you know, how Tom Coughlin was so like, if you're not five minutes early, you're late, blah, blah. Like I, I could see that getting really annoying over and over and over, especially right now having to deal with all the restrictions and everything that players are dealing with. Like I could see that just wearing on guys and, and you thinking like, you know, just like generally, you know what? I'd rather, you know, I'd rather go, you know, do a podcast, you know what I mean? Like whatever I, I like, this is not, uh, this is not worth my time. I do want to briefly BLG run through. Every, I'm going to tell you my perception, not perception, but I'll, I want to run through every quarterback in the NFC and hear if you would take Daniel Jones over them or not. Um, so some I'm assigning rookies and I think that's fair. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, for, no. for 2021, for 2021 specific, yeah, no. specifically, yeah. I agree. Um, Dak Prescott is a no Jalen hurts. Uh, no. Okay. Aaron Rodgers. No. No. Justin Fields. Uh, no. Kirk Cousins. Yes. Mm, that's you're a little biased. I'm that's not, not a Kirk that's, guy. That's man. Not, not, not totally fair, but I'm fine. Not a Kirk guy. I just uh, not. Jared Goff. Uh, I'd, I'd rather have Daniel Jones actually. Than okay. Jared Goff. Um, Jameis or Taysom. Your pick. I'd I'd rather have Daniel Jones than Jameis or Taysom. I will say. I would rather have Jameis with Sean Payton. I, like I trust that more than I do Daniel Jones on his own. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, I don't know if that I don't makes know sense. That's the conversation we're having, though. Fine. Um, Tom Brady, obviously not. Sam Darnold. I'll take Daniel Jones over Sam Darnold. Okay. Uh, Matt Ryan, obviously not. Russell Wilson. No. Matthew Stafford. No. Kyler Murray. No. Trey Lance. Okay, so there are four quarterbacks in the entire NFC that you would take over Daniel Jones, and one of them, uh, th- three of them are very fair, and two of them, <laughs> two, two of them are extremely fair in Sam Darnold and Jared Goff. Although Jared Goff, I think we're all really fascinated to see what he looks like, and that's a really interesting, like, just kind of like social experiment to to kind of prove, you know, who Sean McVay is and isn't. Uh, but it's fair to take Daniel Jones. Um, it's also fair to say, you know what? I don't want anything to do with Jameis or Taysom, whatever. But I think we could both see realities where Jameis is really good, maybe under Sean Payton, no. and, and maybe okay if we're being hopeful. But obviously, to your hopeful point, Daniel Jones could be awesome too. But the one that's a little touch and go is Kirk, and I think you would even admit that it's touch and go. But fine, even if you count Kirk, that's four, four out of all sixteen. So you're talking about this guy's not even a top twelve quarterback, maybe within his own conference. I mean, so no wonder they're not inspiring. Hmm. So all the Giants fans that we had listening to this podcast definitely don't listen anymore. <laughs> I mean, is that unfair though? Like, is there anything of and and how many how many coaches would you take over or take Joe Judge over right now? 
I have some level of hope for Joe Judge. As crazy as that might sound, like I think we there were some positive signs from last year. Like I think they were as crazy as it sounds, they were a little bit better than I thought they were going to be. I thought like there's potential for Joe Judge to be a total disaster, like total train wreck, like one and done even, and he wasn't. And and they had a really, I think he's kind of skated off it a little bit too much. But that win against the Seahawks in Seattle with Colt McCoy is like it's a pretty quality win. Like they had some fight at times, as Jason Garrett likes to instill in them, <laughs> and and like I don't know, like I'm willing to give him a chance a little bit. I'm willing to see more in year two. I think some of these methods are silly and everything, and and I think undeserved for a team that has been as bad as they have been and are trying to pull like these like these Patriot stunts. Like like Bill Belichick can do some of that stuff, and he doesn't even do all that, but he can do some of that because he's earned that. Like Joe Judge has very much not earned that yet. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not out on Joe Judge quite yet, but obviously I'm not feeling awesome about him. Um, I like this world where BLG is, is hopeful and full of sunshine and promise. Um, that's not what I said. <laughs> that's exactly what, that's, a, that's how I heard it. Uh, if only you could apply that methodology to Kirk Cousins. So, okay. The Giants play the Jets this week and the Washington mm. football team also plays on Thursday night against, speaking of Bill Belichick, the New England Patriots. So we will have actual football games from all of these teams all the slackers that haven't played yet so far this preseason uh, to discuss and wrap up on next week's nfc's mixtape maybe blg gets the hbo game pass situation worked out who knows mm. uh blg any final thoughts before we leave any like this is this is it this is the moment this is it always salt your breakfast <laughs>